Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Fueled in part by people looking for recreational activities during the COVID-19 pandemic, an unlikely sport has become one of the hottest things going in North America. Pickleball, almost a strange hybrid of tennis and ping pong, has gained tens of thousands of new members in Canada in the last two years. But why is it even so popular? I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. National sports writer Dan Barnes joins me to discuss why people are gravitating toward the sport whether there's even enough courts to facilitate the surge in participation, and why some have designs on getting pickleball into the Olympics. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about the show. So Dan, this episode is a little bit of a departure as opposed to some of the gloomier topics we normally discuss on this show I wanted to talk today about something that's that's kind of growing steam in Canada. It's a it's a recreational activity that has kind of taken at least North America by storm, but we can talk about that in a little bit. It's called pickleball. And I'm curious as someone who who doesn't really know a lot about it, I kind of have a, a basic idea, but what is pickleball? It is a uh it's a hybrid sport, I guess. It's a court sport that you could confuse, I suppose, from a distance for either racquetball or tennis or badminton. It's got a few elements of all those things. Uh, it was, it's been around forever. It was invented, as, as it were, by three friends. In the summer of 1965, these people had, or their kids had nothing to do, allegedly, as kids on vacation will often tell their parents. And so they invented a game. They used a wiffle ball, which is a plastic ball with holes in it. They used ping pong paddles and a badminton net that they had in the backyard all set up, but their badminton court had been paved over. So it it became this thing. I think one of the, the gentlemen who uh, was at the, the beginning of this, his wife called it pickleball because she was a, uh, a rower. And in crew racing, apparently, the pickle boat is the boat that gets the dregs, the, the thrown-together team. So this was a thrown-together sport. And she called it pickleball. And, and there you were. But this was 1965, for crying out loud. And it was never on the radar uh, until what? You know, the COVID pandemic, maybe? Well, yeah, I was I was wondering about that. Like, all of a sudden, in the last couple of years, you started to hear more and more about this sport with a ridiculous name. And thanks for shedding light on, on where the name came from. But it, it does seem like it really took off in the last couple of years. Was it the pandemic and, and the fact that, you know, people couldn't necessarily congregate indoors or in large groups and this gave them something to do that was outdoors, you know, like, like the sport originated, it was a cure for boredom or were there other factors at play? No, that was, <laughs> that's mainly it. It was, uh, you know, anything outdoors during COVID was obviously less of a risk. So golf. Though we weren't allowed to golf for the longest bloody time, it was pretty safe. All the things outdoors were a, a way better bet. So, yes, it gave pickleball the requisite steam to get going. 
And boy, did it take off. I, I spoke uh, last fall. I talked to uh, Carla Anderson, Pickleball Canada's executive director. And she said that the affordability, the accessibility, and COVID just gave this thing an explosion of membership. And uh, membership in Pickleball Canada went from like 16,000 in 2021 to at least 40,000. It's probably closer to 50,000 now. And they are planning over the next couple of years or maybe five years, whatever it is, to get to 150,000 members. And that's just members. She believes that people playing it have has already reached 350,000 people across Canada. And they call it the fastest growing sport in the country. And it, it certainly seems that way. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that it's an affordable sport and it's an accessible sport. I'm curious what you mean by that. What makes pickleball affordable for people and what makes it accessible? Like what makes it the kind of sport that people want to gravitate toward? Well, first of all, if there are courts in your uh, neighborhood or in your city, you generally speaking don't have to pay for them. So it's not like you have to buy ice time for uh, shinny hockey. Uh, a pickleball itself, the actual ball, I think you can buy for a dollar. The rackets are, I guess the rackets are where you could spend some money, as little as 10 bucks or as much as like 250 if you get crazy and you buy whatever technology they have available. And you all, you know, you've got a pair of running shoes in your closet and that's all you need. So, or tennis shoes, whatever you want to call them. So the barriers to entry are very low and, and absolutely that helps, right? When you compare it to golf, for instance, uh, I guess it would be closer to tennis because you buy the tennis racket you've got the tennis shoes you can drop into a a community league tennis court so it's very similar that way and and yeah i mean i'm sure that has helped people get into this Mm -hmm. and i mean the fact that it's similar to tennis people look at tennis they kind of understand it you're on a court there's lines on the court you have to hit the ball with the racket keep it inside the lines but it's not as potentially fast as tennis is is like how does how does the game work and what are the similarities to tennis well i think the only similarity is that you hit a ball over a net right the the balls are entirely different the rackets are entirely different because there there's no uh, like the whatever they call the the webbing on a on a tennis racket uh pickleball rackets do not have that they are a flat plastic or carbon fiber or whatever it is or wood in some cases it's a flat paddle. So that's entirely different. But you do hit a ball back and forth over the net. Quite often there's a, you know, in tennis where you serve overhand, you do not do that in pickleball. You serve underhand. So there are many differences. And the speed, uh, a tennis ball will go a whole lot faster than a pickleball. And this is when when I was originally told about this sport, which was, uh, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago by my uncle, who was a snowbird at the time. And he was playing down there. Him and his wife were playing down there. And it was, in his mind, it was a safer sport than tennis because there wasn't as much movement. You weren't going to blow out a knee or an Achilles tendon. Well, that was just a lie because (laughs) people get hurt all the time. The Toronto Sun columnist, Steve Simmons, was a pickleball aficionado until he blew out his knee. Uh, or maybe it was his Achilles. I think it was his Achilles. It just pops as he lunged toward a ball. And he's he's been done. He he loves the sport, but he won't go back to it because it was it was hell on his body. So 
there are quite a few injuries actually, and most of them are the lunge or dive or fall or trip variety. So it's a bunch of ankles and knees and and Achilles tendons that go out. Yeah, and I, I, you know, and this isn't necessarily a knock against older people, mind you. I, I is it is it because the sport is seen predominantly as as being taken up by people who are maybe in their late 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, that you may see more injuries? Or is it like a wide swath of Canadians who are playing pickleball? Are there older ones, older, younger? Pickleball Canada, um, in January of 2022, I think, they did a, uh, a sur- they commissioned a survey. And they claim that the highest growth is in the 18 to 34 demographic, but still the largest component is older Canadians and older Americans. So... Whether that's, you know, and I, I take issue with you calling 40-year-old people old. <laughs> well, I'm in my 40s. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, I feel old some days. My, I wake up, my knees hurt. Yeah, yeah. That's just part, part and parcel. But anyway, okay, so it's, it's older Canadians. I don't know if that's 40, 50, 60. It's all of that, I'm sure. I curl with a guy who, when he's not curling, he's playing pickleball three times a week in St. Albert or wherever you can find a court. So, that's that's where most of the concentration is, but they are doing what they can to get the 18 to 34 de- demographic involved because they want to take this thing all the way to the Olympics. So you you can't have 60-year-old people as your core demographic if you're trying to go to the Olympics. Nobody's going to watch that. Well, they might, especially if there's the, the threat of injury, I, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so, I you know, I'm wondering... As you said, this is a really fast-growing sport. It's grown in a very short amount of time. Has that meant that there aren't enough places for people to play? Like, could that hamper the growth of the sport in Canada, that there aren't enough facilities out there? Absolutely. In Canada, and I have the numbers right here in front of me, Pickleball Canada's website listed, this was back in fall, listed 98 facilities in BC, 36 in Alberta, 13 in Saskatchewan, 14 in Manitoba, uh, a ton in Ontario, only 10 in Quebec, 8 in Nova Scotia, 11 New Brunswick, and 4 in Newfoundland. So add all that up, and it's not enough for a sport that's just exploding. So yeah, that that is one of the challenges. And what happens, technically speaking, or most often, is that a community will look at its underused tennis courts and go, hmm, that looks like four pickleball courts to me. And that's fine as long as there's nobody who plays tennis in your community. So they they have cannibalized these courts. And, you know, on occasion, it it creates some, uh, I guess, discontent among their community league members. So you got to be careful with that. Like there's there's conflict between the tennis community and the pickleball community. Well, only if you're cannibalizing tennis courts (laughs) to build pickleball courts. Yes, I would think so. So you, you have to have, you have to find a way to make both of those communities happy. and. You also have to think about indoor courts because obviously in January we're not playing outdoors and people want to play this thing all year round. So that that is a problem, uh, but it's a pretty good problem to have when you you know your sport is in such high demand that you have to go and find more places to play. You have to find a way to get people more places to play because they want to do it. So again, it's a good problem to have and they are working their way through it. We'll be right back. Uh, 
I know you mentioned earlier about how, you know, a lot of people may have gravitated towards the sport because it was seen as maybe a safer alternative to tennis. But, you know, as you pointed out, there are people who get injured. Has the growth kind of been driven by this idea that there are health benefits? It may not be as high impact as a sport like tennis or squash, where you see people really throwing themselves around the court that is getting people who have been less active, maybe getting them out and, and about and moving around. Is that, is that part of the draw here? Oh yeah, I, I would think so. But again, it's to say that it's injury free. You can't do that. There was a story. It was a San Diego union tribune or maybe it was somebody else. But anyway, according to the journal of emergency medicine, there were 19,000 pickleball injuries in the United States in 2017. So it happens, right? And and those are not all blown out this and that. I'm sure some of those were minor injuries, but it happens. It's just, it's a better bet because it is a bit of a slower game. And if you're not super competitive, you're not going to lunge at a ball that you may or may not get. If, you know, there are, there are ways to play any sport that will mitigate the risk. And I'm sure you could do that. I've never played the game myself. So, I, you know, up front, there's there's my uh, Mia Culpa. I've never played. I've watched it, and it's kind of interesting. I, I'm sure it's way more fun to play than to watch. But uh, it's, strangely enough, there is a professional – there's a couple of professional leagues that draw television time. And that's going to be their route to the Olympics. If they get TV networks interested, then, it you know, obviously – it's going to reach a whole lot more people around the planet. It's going to grow faster than maybe it is even now. And they'll get to the number of countries where the uh, International Olympic Committee suddenly becomes interested. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you mentioned the, the pro circuit. It, there's also a pop culture factor going on here, too. It seems to be novel enough that that celebrities are getting involved. And, and you talk about TV time, that there may even be not just pros playing it, but you get like celebrities going on. Like, how is that all factored into to this? Oh, I'm sure that's been a, it, that has been a factor. When you've got you know Tom Brady, LeBron James, Kevin Durant have all purchased franchises in Major League Pickleball. Stephen Colbert hosted a uh, celebrity tournament on CBS uh, way back in the fall, <laughs> sponsored by Clausen's Pickles, of course. Uh, people <laughs> like Sugar Ray Leonard, Emma Watson, and Will Ferrell were on that. So yes, when when you tap into pop culture, again, that helps spur the growth that gets TV interested. You know, that's where the money is, obviously. So I I don't know what the top end for this thing is, whether it, you know, reaches the the popularity of televised tennis. I have no clue, but that is certainly the goal of the people driving this initiative to get it to the Olympics because Without television, you don't get there. Yeah, and I mean, as of right now, is it just a North American phenomenon? Is that part of the this, this struggle to the the hurdle that the sport would have to get past to get that kind of Olympic recognition, to have kind of a, a broader cross-section of, of countries involved? Yeah, I think so. There is something called the World Pickleball Federation, founded, you know, as recently as 2018. It says it has 37 member countries on five continents, but... I would suspect that most of the growth right now is in North America. Coming up in May is the inaugural World Pickleball Games at something called the Austin Pickle Ranch in Texas. So if it's the first world gathering of its kind, 
then we're still very much in the in in the formative stages of any initiative to get this into the Olympics. And they they have no you know no designs obviously on Paris because it's not on the program. They don't even think they'll be ready for Los Angeles in 2028. But they are talking, you know, in loose talk, I suppose, of Brisbane, Australia in 2032. So perhaps by then they've got enough countries, they've got enough membership, they've got enough momentum. So I guess we'll see. Oh, I am curious about the the Olympic factor in it, right? There are other racket sports out there. You know, tennis is an Olympic sport, but there are other sports out there like squash and racquetball, and they don't have that same kind of recognition. What is it about pickleball that people think would make an, a good Olympic sport? I think this is just the flavor of the month. I really do. And whether it gets to uh, the kind of saturation, the, the worldwide saturation that you need, I don't know. Um, I just believe that it's got, it has the celebrity backing, which gives it profile. Nobody's talking about a, you know, celebrity involvement in racquetball leagues or celebrity involvement in squash leagues. So maybe this is sustainable or maybe all the celebrities, you know, are a little bit like magpies and they lose interest in a year or two or three. Who knows? But if they if they stay committed to this thing, they've got a better chance just because of profile. But would it appeal any more than racquetball or squash to the IOC? I have no idea. The IOC is is looking for mainstream sports. They've embraced surfing. They've embraced skateboarding and sport climbing, which we used to call wall climbing. So there is an there's an, a renewed appetite for stuff that we would have thought no way. You know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we would have thought traditional sports only, but it doesn't seem to be that way. So I suspect they there is reason for their optimism. But again, we're talking 2032. So that's a that's a fair piece away yet. Well, definitely a fun conversation. I, you know, it's nice to do something a little different on the show uh, once in a while. Dan, thanks for your time. Hey, thank you, guys. Cheers. 10-3 is produced by Tyler Dawson theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest Dan Barnes. More from him at torontosun.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Music